Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? You know, we're, we're going to continue in our series in Acts. If you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. Um, it's one of my favorite books to read through because it is really um, encouraging and, and I think just fun to read about you know, how God used the, the early church and how, um, you know, God was adding to the numbers of the church. And the only thing really more fun than reading about it is actually living it. And that's been pretty fun around here, hasn't it? Um, last week, we, we not only crossed 100 baptisms, but we, after we baptized six in the first service, we've now baptized over 160 people in this year alone. So God's say amen, it's good. And next week, we're going to uh, bring to you a, a plan we've been working on for quite a while for uh, a new sanctuary. So I hope you'll be here for that. And uh, I'm going to share with you my thoughts on that. And then we're going to take some time as a church to pray about that and look at that. And uh, I hope you'll be here next week to kind of be able to you'll be able to see some pictures um, about what it might look like. And uh, we hope that uh, you'll be able to be here for that. Um, anyway, today we are in Acts 17. And um, we're going to in this chapter, we're going to cover the whole chapter today, not necessarily every single verse, but in this chapter, Paul goes to three different places and shares the gospel in three different places. And in each place, there's a different response and there's a different uh, reaction as well. And so we're going to look at those three things because, you know, a lot of times um, when you see somebody that comes to know Christ, we think about our part in it and that's fine. I mean, God wants us to Rejoice! The angels uh, rejoice in heaven whenever uh, one person comes to faith in Christ. But the fact is that God's the one that does the work of saving, and there's several things that ha- that God has to do for that something like that to happen. And too many times we kind of get caught up in in worrying about God's part of it instead of focusing on our part. And so we're going to look at what those three things are today. Um, we're going to start in Acts chapter 17, verses one through three. And if you'd please stand. In honor of the reading of God's word, Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the, in each one of these circumstances, Paul goes to uh, Thessalonica first, then to Berea, and then last to Athens. And in each one of these cities, he finds a way to be able to share the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus. And really, you know, as he talked in the end, he said, in the last part of that verse, he said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. And you know, that's the heart of every message about Christ. And the fact is that all of us, none of, we're not necessarily gifted as evangelists. Some of us may be, but we're all charged to take the good news into all the world. And so Paul's doing what we should do. And that is wherever you are in whatever circumstance in life, it's look for an opportunity to share the good news about Jesus. It's to talk about Jesus. That's what we're called to do. 
And so Paul does that. You know, I like it says, as was his custom. He goes to the synagogue. He begins to open the scriptures. He reasons with the people. Now, you may not feel qualified to do that part. I get it. You know, I don't know that I feel like I can go through the Old Testament and show how Jesus was this or that. Well, maybe you do, but we're all called to tell that last part. This Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. That's the gospel. And we're all called to do that. And so Paul takes that opportunity. Now, the next place he goes is to Berea. And there he has another opportunity in verses 10 through 12. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. So what does that tell you? Number one, the people in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, excuse me, were not super open. They didn't necessarily receive it real well, but the people in Berea received it real well. So what's the difference? Well, in every circumstance, we have a part in receiving the gospel and God has a part in calling us. And sometimes God just has people ready to hear the gospel. And the people in Berea were ready to hear the good news about Jesus. So it says they went to the, um, uh, oh, excuse me, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. As a result, many Jews believed as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. And so what did they do? When they heard it, they tested it. And that's what we should do as well. And you've heard me say it a bunch of times. Don't just believe something just because I tell you. Search the scriptures for yourself. Look in there and see. And that's true with everything we teach from preschool up through uh, children's, middle school, high school, adult small groups. Anything you hear being taught, check it against the scripture. And the Bereans were doing that. So they were ready to hear the gospel because they were already being drawn. They already were being drawn to the knowledge of Christ. They believed in the scriptures. They believed in God. And so what they did was they wanted to make sure that what they were being told was the truth. And everybody, we all ought to do that. You know, don't just accept, well, this guy said it, so it must be true. Check it out and make sure. Because I don't know if you have noticed this, but not everything everyone says is the truth. Okay? So check it out. And if it doesn't line up with Scripture, go ask them about it if you can. And if you can't and you continue to see that pattern, stop listening to it. Because here's the deal. You may, well, you know that they're right about some things and not right about others. But if you're not careful, if you continue to listen to people that have, now I'm not saying everybody's got to be 100% right about everything. I, I get that. There's only one me. No. <laughs> Just kidding. But we, we most of them think that way, don't we? We think, well, I, you know, what I think's right. But here's the deal is that not, not everybody's going to have 100% everything. But be careful about people. That, hey, you can believe about 70%. Because if you're not careful, that other 30% will seep in there when you don't realize it. So try to find people that are teaching the scripture and are dividing the word of God correctly. That's what the word says, okay? So find people that are dividing the word of God correctly. Listen to them. And others, everything they say is suspect. Let me tell you, if somebody comes up and they have a wrong um, doctrine or whatever about Jesus, I'm going to doubt every single thing they say. Because that is key you got to be right about Jesus. 
that he's the son of God, that he's the only way to be saved, that he died on the cross for my sins and for yours, that he rose from the grave on the third day. If any of those things don't line up, that he is now seated at the right hand of God, that he is the, the one that, the, to whom, who is going to be in charge. He's going to reign here for a thousand years. Later on, it tells us in Revelation. If you don't believe he's God's son, if somebody doesn't believe that, then everything they say is suspect. If they don't believe that he died for, you, for the sins of the world, then everything they say is suspect. If they don't believe that he rose from the dead, everything they say is suspect. That's the foundation, okay? So be careful about what you listen to and be careful about what you're saying to people. You know, one of the things that we can all do sometimes is, you know, you can read people when they're not liking what you're laying down. There's a temptation to try to lay it down a little different. But when it comes to teaching the truth of God's word, we have to teach it directly. We can also be creative. We're going to get to that in a second. But the people in um, uh, Berea were ready to hear the word. And sometimes that's what you don't ever know. Paul didn't walk into Thessalonica and go, oh man, these people, they're not really ready. He gave the same message. He goes to Berea. He had no idea they were ready to hear the word of God. And that's one of the ways that sometimes we get mixed up is we kind of judge whether somebody's really ready to hear it. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're really ready. I, you know, they're probably going to get mad if I tell them. You don't know. That's God's part. Our part's to tell. God's part is to worry about drawing them. It's to worry about illuminating the scriptures through the Holy Spirit. That's God's part. We're just supposed to tell. And so then he goes to Athens. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. And so he used every opportunity that he had. He spoke in the synagogue, but he also spoke in the daily square. Because people would come there. Athens at this time, you know, it, it was kind of, it used to be, Athens used to be all that and a bag of chips. All right? They were the, the dominant force in the area. And at those times, the city-states were the most powerful influences in the, in the region. You know, it was a city that dominated a region. Well, it kind of ch started changing over time. And when, as Rome became a country and then a world power, Athens became kind of an afterthought. But they still thought they were all that in a bag of chips. And so what they would do was they would hang out in the public square and just talk to each other and talk about new ideas and share things. It was the first real social media. They didn't do anything. They just talked about everything. That's what they did. And so that they, they would come in and talk about all these ideas. And so Paul, so one of the, some of them hear that Paul's talking about some things they never heard of before. And so that was a big, hey, there's a guy saying new stuff. Let's hear the new stuff guy. That's what everybody wanted. Kind of like today sometimes. And so they brought him into the council. And Paul gave what is a, one of, I think, the most there's a reason this entire message basically is recorded here. And it's been a, it, it's a, a blueprint for us when we're sharing the gospel. It, it's, every preacher can tell you they've been affected and have part of the elements of the way this, this message comes out in the way that they preach. Okay? So in verses 
22 through 31. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I noticed that you were religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to the repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. You know, what Paul did was he found common ground with the Athenians. He'd been around their city and he noticed something there. There was this, this statue built to an unknown God. Somebody, you know, once they, they made gods everywhere. And somebody went, well, in case we miss one, let's do one for an unknown God. So they did another one. And so Paul capitalizes on that. He sees what's in their culture and he says, hey, y'all made this statue to an unknown God, but guess what? I know him. Let me tell you about him. And then he got into their culture even. He said, hey, even your own poets. He used some words that were, that were common in, in the, the, the teachings of Athenians of the day. You know, about in him we move and exist. And so he found common areas to be able to talk to him about Christ. You know, and that used to be something that was, I don't know, maybe a little bit more of a learned trait or something that people did, was when you came together with somebody new or you were at a reunion or at a workplace lunch or, or you were somewhere, you would, you would find common ground with people. You'd ask each other questions and find an area where you had some common ground and then you'd build on that. And now it's almost like we're in the opposite, aren't we? You know, you sit down, we sit down with people and we immediately want to know what their politics are. So where are you, left, right, in the middle? What are you, what are you at? And then when they tell you, oh, okay, I, know, I got you now. I know, I know you. <laughs> and then we're like, we don't want to listen to another word they say or they don't want to listen to another word we say. You know, I'm not saying that we should avoid things. There are things that we got to address as people. There's things we should stand up for. But, you know, there were certain things you can bring up with people you didn't know. There were certain things that were known to be controversial and you'd, you'd kind of avoid those and you'd find an area where you could relate to them about something. Hey, I see you like to fish. Well, I'm with PETA, so I, I can't you know, talk to you, people for the ethical treatment. You know, one of the things I don't understand is they're, they're all about, this is just kind of a side thing, this has nothing to do with anything else, but. <laughs> You know, you're not supposed to eat fish. Well, fish eat fish. Why can't we eat fish too? Anyway, y'all think about that one later on. 
So anyway, you would find common ground with people. Maybe you came from the same area or you, you, you played the same sport or you had the, you know, some family members in common or, or there was something about your work. You would deliberately try to find some way to connect with them. And we need to get back to that. You know, you ain't changing anybody's mind by finding out immediately what their politics are and going into a rant about how they're wrong. You're not. The only hope for our world is not that we convert people to our political stance, but that we find people that don't know Christ and we convert them to Jesus. We give them Jesus. And it cha Jesus changes their life. That's the only hope for our world. Now, I, I get it. There's a time and a place for talking about political things. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But when we get to, you know, we, we've got to learn how to connect with people. And you do that by finding a place of common ground. And that's what Paul did. But now here's the thing about Paul's message too, though. He talked about, you know, gods and, hey, the, the, the God, these gods aren't going to, he knew that false gods aren't going to accomplish anything. That a statue's not going to change anybody's life. They can't speak, they can't hear, they can't touch. But he also knew that if he could show them who Jesus is. Now here's the part where we have to be careful because you want to find common ground, but you can't compromise the message. We don't get to make the message more palatable or easier to hear. You know, when he got to the end, what did he say? He said, look, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier, time, earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. You know, in the end, Paul finds common ground and he finds a way to relate to people, and he talks in a way that, that draws them in, but in the end, he doesn't try to make it easier to swallow. He doesn't try to soft pedal the truth of the gospel. He gives them the real truth. And we've got to do the same thing. Now, I, I get it. You may not, in your time, have the opportunity to share the whole gospel or to do something to give a speech like, kind of like Paul did right here. But you know what we can do? We can tell people about Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And in the end, that's where Paul came to, was he talked to people about Christ. We need to talk about Jesus in the world we're around. Now, maybe you don't get to go off on the whole gospel every time. Maybe it's just, you know what, man, God's really changed my life in this area. Or, or the Lord answered a prayer. Or, you know, well, I, I don't do that because I follow Jesus. And I'm not trying to, I'm not saying, yeah, we need to relate to people, but we got to tell them who we are or it won't matter. And most importantly, we got to tell them who Jesus is. So we need to look for those opportunities. And you know, instead of going, because we're fixing to get into the response, what we do is important. That's, that's what we do, is we look for an opportunity. We try to make a connection. We tell them the truth. We tell them about Jesus. We tell them where we are without him, and we tell them who he is and what he can do for us. That's what we do. That's the ultimate goal. But now we get to what, what do they do? Now this part you don't get to control. Everybody gets to choose that for themselves. 
And the Thessalonians, dude, they got big mad when he came and started telling them. But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. That's kind of serious right there. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out of the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted. Now they're disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar. They profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. And then it says in verse 8, the people of the city as well as the city council were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond and then they released them. And that bond was something like, hey, you got to pay this money. And if Paul and Silas don't leave, we're going to come back after you. So the, the people of Thessalonica did not respond real well to the gospel. And if you remember, in the first part, it said many Jews, excuse me, some of the Jews responded. Some people accepted him. But a lot of people got mad. It started a riot. Got a rage mob going. And made it where they couldn't even go back. In 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Paul writes, we, we wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. As a matter of fact, the people in Thessalonica were so mad that when he went to Berea and they received him with joy, it says in verses 13 and 14, but when some of the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God in Berea, they went there and stirred up trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul onto the coast while Silas and Timothy remained behind. So here's the deal. The people in Thessalonica, they were so big mad, they didn't even want him preaching in a town near him, so they went after him there too. The people in Berea didn't have a problem with it. Many received Christ, many of the Jews and many of the Greeks. But the people from Thessalonica came and caused trouble even there. Thessalonians. Beware of Thessalonians bearing gifts or something. I don't know. That's an old saying. Or maybe that was something else. I don't know. But anyway, you know what I mean. Dude, they, they had about as bad a, a, a reaction as you could imagine. The Bereans had about as good a one as you could imagine. And you know, part of our problem is sometimes we think we know which is which before it happens and we don't. We're like, oh, that per there's no way that person. Let me tell you something. Some of the people that I thought least likely to accept Jesus, accepted Christ, and are now leading in churches. Some of them in this one. And some of the people that I thought, man, they're really, they're ready. And they would come down and kind of talk, and I never saw them again. Or they would just go, no, nah, 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 not for me. And I thought they were ready, man. I thought they were ripe fruit. See, we don't know what's going on behind somebody else's face. What's going on in somebody else's heart. We don't know what God's been doing in their life. You know, there's people that I thought, man, this person's never going to accept Christ. 
that when I started talking to them, it'd be obvious that God had been drawing them and working in their life for a while to bring them to that moment. See, don't, don't, don't try to do what God does. It ain't my job to worry about whether somebody's ready to hear the gospel or not, whether they're ready to make a decision or not. It's just my job to tell. And when I start thinking and worrying about God's part of it, that's when I get off track. We need to learn and, and expect that God's doing things that we can't see. And that God's going to do with people things that we can't see. So after that, they go to Athens. And in Athens, they got, it's a weird group of people, man. They, 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 it says in verse 21, it should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seemed to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. That's what they did. They got together and talked about stuff. And Paul talked to them, reasoned with them, gave that gave what was one of the best messages recorded in Scripture other than what Jesus said. I mean, he incorporated all these different elements into it that were like unique to their city. I mean, you, 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 man, you're like, gosh, that's good. And so every preacher tries to, to, to determine who their people are and who they're speaking to and to be relatable and so Paul shows us how to do that. And then not only that, it says in verse 18 through 21, he also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. Now, Epicurean philosophers were, dude, life's cool, man, enjoy. It's about pleasure. If it feels good, do it. You know, that's a, that was their deal. The Stoic philosophers were the exactly the opposite. Life is hard. You must be harder. I mean, it was just, it was like, dude, Life's something you got to endure. Whatever comes along by your logic and by the force of your will, you got to get your way through it. And then you got these other people, dude, chill out, man. It's all good. And so he, he has debates with both of them. Paul was pretty well-rounded. He has debates with all of them. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? That's probably the Epicureans. That's my guess. Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. I'd say that's the Stoic group. I'm just guessing here. It doesn't say that. So anyway, come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You were saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. So Paul talked to all of them. And you know, here's the thing. They seem to be open to it. Hey, you got something new. Let's hear it. We're interested to hear. They called him in front of the council. You know, in, in Thessalonica, they were trying to get him in front of the council to either beat him or kill him or throw him out of town because of the message he brought. In Athens, they're like, cool, man. Let's hear what you got to say. Bring it on. What, what do you got? But the responses, you know, there's a reaction and then there's a response. You react to something and then you respond to it. The people in Thessalonica reacted with anger. The people in Berea acted with openness. The people in Athens reacted with curiosity. But what was the response? 17.4, 4, 
in Thessalonica, some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. In Berea, as a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. Huge response. And then what happened in Athens? When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. But others said, well, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris, and others with him. Now, I'm not saying that it wasn't a great response in Athens, but when you're like naming by name, that probably means there weren't a whole lot of them. You know what I'm saying? It says there were a few, some. So you look at it and you go, okay, well, man, Athens was a bust. They seemed receptive, but it was a bust. Berea, man, couldn't ask for it to go any better than that. Not only did they eagerly listen to what he said, they searched the scriptures for themselves. Many, many became believers. But what about Thessalonica? That was the worst place. I mean, it was the one place that kicked him out and they weren't even allowed to go back. You know, it talks about in one place, he says in Thessalonians that we wanted to come back. We wanted to come and return to you, but Satan didn't let us. There was this bond against him that would have gotten Jason and the other believers in trouble if he'd gone back. And so as far as we know, he didn't go back. Not only were they kicking him out of that city, they tried to go get him kicked out of another one and then ended up making him move from there. So if you looked at those things, you'd think, well, man, I, I picked Berea. That's where I want to go. I want to go where people are ready, where they receive the word with joy, where they listen to what I, and, and want to go check it against the word of God themselves, and they're ready, and many people respond. But do you know which church out of these three cities had the greatest impact through the years? Well, you got to know. You got to know where this story's going by now, right? It was Thessalonica. It was the group that got so mad they started a riot. It was a group where the reaction was turmoil in the whole city and then caused turmoil in another city. They became famous all over their part of the world for their faith. First Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10, Paul's writing to the church there at Thessalonica. So you received the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in spite of the severe suffering it brought you. See, Paul knew, and they did too, just believing and receiving the message came with a cost. Came with a cost. And you know, I, I'm not downplaying the Bereans because, man, they, they received the word of God. They were saved. They, I'm sure they were missionaries in their area too. And if, if I were to pick, like, if, which one of those would I rather my kids go through? I'd go, man, I'm Berea. I'd rather them have that experience. Where not only are they and the people around them receiving it together, but they're checking the word of God on their own. 
Man, those, that's the kind of people you want your kids being around, am I right? But man, there's something about Thessalonica. It created men and women of steel. In this way, you imitated both us and the Lord. See, Paul, obviously the Lord knew about suffering. He suffered for us. He suffered and died. Paul knew what it was like to suffer. By this point, he's already been beaten a couple times. Paul had all kinds of experiences. He was shipwrecked. They, they stoned him, thought he was dead. And you know, you think about stones, all oh, guys pick up rocks. They started out with small rocks and then they got as big as they could lift and threw them on people. He'd been beaten with the rods, which history tells us that a man might not be able to have kids after that, which he wasn't married, so we don't know. But it was a physically painful and difficult process. At one point, he got snuggled, or smuggled, excuse me, not, he probably did get snuggled, I don't know. <laughs> I should quit right now. He got smuggled out of town by being lowered in a basket on the other side. Now, that tells me two things. Number one, it must have been pretty desperate. Number two, he couldn't have been a really big dude because I ain't getting out of town in no basket <laughs> that I've ever seen anyway. I, I, if, if it comes down to me or a basket, I'm all right, I'm, I gotta go. I'm, I'm gonna have to meet my maker, it's over. But he, he, all these things he'd been through, he knew what it was to suffer. And he said, man, he said, you guys know what it's like. Now here's the thing, there are times of suffering and difficulty in life. And I don't know anybody that goes, hey, I'm up for one of those. Nobody wants it. But those are the times that God builds steel into us. There's a reason why through scripture it talks about iron. And there were men in the Old Testament that says they set their faces like flint. It's one of the hardest stones. He says, as a result, as a result of what? As a result of their receiving the message with joy and the suffering they went through, there was a result from those two things. As a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. And now listen to this. The word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. Wherever they went, Paul, what about the Thessalonians? What about them? What about that church? Man, there is some iron in those people. Their faith is being proven throughout the world. It's encouraged us. We don't need to tell them about it. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward 
to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. You know, you just never know, do you? You never know. We think sometimes, man, this is a, this is a hard place to tell anybody about Jesus. I should probably just keep my mouth shut. They don't come after me. But you just never know when that opportunity you have might raise up an individual or a group of people that can affect the world. You know, somebody led Billy Graham to Jesus. Now, I'm sure there were people who had a part in it, but somebody brought him to Christ. Somebody, Paul, was the, was the one who led the church at Thessalonica because he went in there and even though they didn't receive it well and it started a riot and they kicked him out of town and even though he didn't get the, the reception at that point, some of them believed some of them received the word. And now their faith was inspiring others. You know, we're not all called to be evangelists to go preach in front of thousands of people. But we are called to be faithful to where God's put us. And you never know when your faithfulness might lead to someone who's going to make a great impact on the kingdom of God or for the kingdom of God. And maybe, maybe it's you. Maybe you're the one. Man, I, I, our country needs godly pastors, teachers, children's ministers, youth pastors, worship pastors. There's a, a vacuum of leadership in the church going forward. We need leaders. And some of those leaders are gonna be led to Christ by somebody who doesn't think maybe it's a, a really fruitful opportunity, but it's an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and they're gonna be faithful in it. And God's gonna use it to bless not only that person, but hundreds, maybe thousands on top of that. You know what my hope and prayer is, is that this church through the years raises up leaders that'll be way better than I am. I want this church to raise up leaders that'll be called the best leaders of their generation, the best leaders of the church of their times. And all we can do is, is do what we can do. And that's be faithful. And when we have an opportunity, maybe, maybe you don't feel like you could do a speech like Paul did, but you can tell people about Jesus. You can talk about Jesus. That's what we're called to do, is talk about Jesus. In season and out of season. When we get a chance, 
when there's an opportunity, talk about Jesus. I get it. There's circumstances where you can't. I understand that. But when those circumstances arise where you can, take advantage of it. And forget about, well, how are they going to react to it? What are they going to do with it? What if they're not ready? Just tell them. Tell them the truth. Tell them about the one that, that changed your life. The one that died on the cross so that you might be forgiven. The one that released you from the guilt of your sins. The one that gave you a new life through his resurrection and the power of his resurrection. Tell them about Jesus. Now, for anyone that's here that does not have a relationship with Christ, and once again, the Bereans knew a lot about God already, but they didn't know Jesus. And so if you don't have a relationship with him, in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to begin a relationship with Christ. I'm going to lead anyone that would like in a prayer of salvation. Before we do that, I want to tell you about, in the first service we baptized, I think it was six, and two of those were an older couple that were here last week. And they told one of our staff that when they got home last Sunday, they went, man, we should have done that. And so they came back today and they were baptized. And so there may be some of you today that you went home last week thinking, man, why I, I should have done it then. Well, here's what I want to tell you. In a few moments, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads, close their eyes, and there's some that are already scheduled to be baptized. And if that's you, though, if you thought, man, I should have done that last week, or, you know, maybe you know that your baptism came before you were saved, or, or maybe you accepted Christ, trusted him as your Savior and Lord, but you've not been scripturally baptized, and you'd like to be, you can come today, and we'll do it today. We're going to, we have other people being baptized today anyway. So men, if you would go to this side, women, you go to that side, there are clothes in there, there'll be somebody to show you where to go, they'll help you get situated. We'd love to baptize you today. And so if you want to come, you, you can come in just a moment. But now for those of you, if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that you're in right relationship with God and that you'll be his forever, for all eternity, I want to invite you to pray a brief prayer of salvation. You can repeat it after me. I'm, I'll pray it in short sentences. You, or you can pray in your own words if you'd rather, and that's fine too. But right now I'm going to ask that everyone would bow your heads, close your eyes. For those who are wanting to be baptized or already scheduled, you go ahead and go now. And for those of you who would like to begin a relationship with Christ, pray this prayer with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life. Cleanse me. Make me yours. God, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose on the third day. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and confess him as my Lord. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up or anything. Here's all I want you to do. Without anybody else looking around, if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. I just wanna encourage you and I wanna pray for you. So if you prayed that today, I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you. Okay, all right, see you. Okay, all right, okay. Okay, if you're like 12, 13 and under and you came here with your parents, I want you to tell them after the service, hey, I prayed that prayer with Pastor Brian. And then parents, I want you to contact our church and we'd love to have a youth pastor or a children's minister sit down and go through your child's decision, make sure they understand everything and then talk with you about it too. For everyone else, there's a number on your screen. You can text SAVE to that number and we'll get back with you and set up a time to talk to you, whether it's over the phone or in person. And we would love to sit down with you and answer any questions you have, and then also talk to you about the next steps in following Christ. We're not gonna ask you for anything. You, you don't even have to join our church. We just wanna help you in that process. And we would love to sit down and, and spend some time with you about it. And so if you'd rather, um, there'll be, there's also an information desk out there. You can go out with them and just tell them, hey, I'd like to set up a time. And there's people that'll talk to you about it today if you'd like. Otherwise, let us know and we will get back to you. There's a QR code on the screen, which is also in your bulletin. And you can use that to access it as well. But we would love to know about your newfound faith in Christ. And so I wanna pray for you right now. And I want you to know something that when you pray that prayer in faith, that in that moment you become God's son or his daughter and that, that that'll never change. You will always be his, that all your sins were forgiven and that you have a new life in Christ. So I wanna pray for you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for these that have come today, those in baptism, for their testimony of their new walk with you and those who have trusted you as Savior and Lord today. Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your love. And I thank you, Father, for the miracle of salvation. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. And Father, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.